Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am your hostess, Pat Rulo, and today I am so happy to share a Firebird Award-winning author with you. She is Leslie A. Rasmussen, and her book is titled After Happily Ever After, a novel. Leslie graduated with a bachelor's in communication from UCLA and went on to write television comedies and is a member of Writers Guild of America, West. She wrote for Gerald McRaney, Burt Reynolds, Roseanne Barr, Norm MacDonald, Drew Carey, and Ralph Macchio, as well as The Wild Thornberries and Sweet Valley High. Later, she earned a master's degree in nutrition and ran her own business for 10 years. Most recently, Leslie has written personal essays for online magazines such as Huffington Post, Maria Shriver, and She Knows. She loves dogs, and besides having two adorable Labradors, she is a member of the Alliance of Therapy Dogs and has volunteered at her local animal shelter. She lives in Los Angeles and has two sons and a husband she has been with since college. This is her debut novel that we are going to talk about today, and I'm so looking forward to sharing her with you so Welcome to the network, Leslie. Thank you so much, Pat. I really appreciate you having me. Oh, I appreciate your being with me today, and congratulations on the win for your book. Thank you. I was so excited to find out that it won in three different categories, which was very (laughs) thrilling. That is exciting, a debut novel. And so because this is your first foray into novel writing, what prompted you to do so? You know, I've always loved writing, and um, I stopped writing television because I had my children, and I wanted to be home, and sitcoms are not the place to be. It's very difficult to raise kids with that those hours. So um, for a while, I uh, was a nutritionist, like you said, but I always wrote. I kept writing personal essays um, for Huffington Post, a lot of them. There's over 20 of them, I think, on there. And then I went on and thought, you know, I really, really miss the writing. So I decided to close my business, and I decided that I wanted to write a novel. Um, Actually, I shouldn't say that. I decided I wanted to write, and I started out um, thinking it was going to be nonfiction because I knew so many moms with so many issues, and we had talked a lot, and I had done an online survey, which was completely anonymous towards women to ask all kinds of questions about their relationships, about how they viewed money, how they viewed sex, how they viewed romance all kinds of things. And when I got those answers, I went through them and I thought, you know what, this would make a great book. But then I decided they had so much in common Mm -hmm. that it would make a better fiction book and put them all together. So that's really what I did. And that's kind of how I got to where I was. I'm sure you found so many common threads and to put it, yeah, and to put it as a nonfiction kind of a how-to or that kind of a self-help book, I think you can glean so much more knowledge when you read it from a fictionalized version. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you can take so many different people's stories and kind of put them into different characters. So all my characters really are a makeup of a lot of different women, a lot of different husbands. Mm -hmm. And I also deal in the book with the sandwich generation, which means that you are trying to raise your kids, but you also have aging parents. And I wanted to deal with that, too, because I had so many friends whose parents were getting older and, you know, they might have needed caregivers or their moms or dads were taking care of each other. And I thought it was a really important topic. It absolutely is an important topic. Caregiving in and of itself is difficult, let alone when you're caregiving on both sides of the equation, you know, parents and children. That's that's a rough one. So maybe give us a little peek into the book just to entice our readers to get a copy. 
Okay. Well, the book is about a woman named Maggie who is um, in her 40s, and she has given up her high-powered job to raise her daughter for 17 years. And now her daughter is going to go off to college, and she's decided, what's the next chapter in my life? I would like to rediscover myself. So she kind of goes on this journey, but in the middle of the journey, or at the beginning, actually, she is inundated with a lot of different issues. She has a long-term marriage where she has a great husband, but he's going through something on his own, and they're just not communicating about it. So she feels very lonely. And then she's also got a judgmental mother, a brother that resents her, and at the time, at the beginning, she does not know why. And she has a father who's her real rock, and he starts to decline in so many ways, and she feels completely overwhelmed by everything, and she starts to make some decisions that could actually blow up her life. So it's her journey to kind of figure herself out. And the title, did that come to you before you began, or did it kind of evolve during the process? Because it's a great title. Yeah. Um, you know, I actually had a different title going in, and the publisher asked me to change it. And I think that publisher wanted to change because she wanted to be a little bit more broad. So um, I went back and forth with the publisher, and they came up with some ideas. I came up with some ideas. And actually, my husband took one of their ideas and put the word. They kept saying, happily ever after, what's with that? And my husband said, what about after, happily ever after? And it worked so perfectly because she's got a daughter that's going to you know, move on in her life. So she had a great childhood. So what's after for her? What's after for Maggie? And her parents, you know, they lived a wonderful life and a marriage and there's things that are going on. And so what's after for them? Mm -hmm. That is outstanding. We need to thank your husband for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, because it is a question. All books end and they lived happily ever after. But nobody ever asks the question, what happens after happily ever after? Right. Because it's, it's a great title. And you know what else is great? Your cover. Yeah. The cover is a very uh, happy cover. Let's talk about how that came about. Well, I knew, uh, you know, I've seen so many book covers that are wonderful, but a lot of them have kind of like photographs. And I knew I didn't want that. I knew I wanted some kind of sketch of a woman. I didn't know at the time what it was, and I was kind of throwing out ideas with the publisher and their artist. And then they came up with a couple of them, and then we worked on those. And I really like the fact that she's holding a book and she's throwing the pages up in the air because it's sort of like, okay, here's one story. Now let's start a new story in my life. Mm -hmm. So I really liked what the symbolism was. And she's walking away from her home, which is interesting too, because the point is, you know, not that she's going to leave her home, but that she's looking for something else. So much going on in a cover that I think often people don't even realize. I'm always fascinated to find out about covers. Yeah, I know. And I, I mean, I, I will look at covers and not really think about it a lot of times until I finish the book. Mm -hmm. And then I'll go back and go, oh, okay. Because it's something that'll just strike you. You'll see it in the store and you'll just think, I don't know why, but I'm picking up this book. Well, that's what your cover does. Your cover, if I, if I was in a bookstore and I saw several books and I saw that cover, that would attract me. Which is good because you want somebody to turn it over and read what the book's about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. So as you were writing this, were there things that came to you that were kind of aha moments for you? Um, yeah, actually, there were a lot of them, but a lot of them were about, you know, I'd written TV years before and I'd written these essays, but, you know, 
strangely enough, I never really thought of myself as a writer. I never really, I, you know, when people said, what do you do? A lot of times I'd say I'm a nutritionist or, but I didn't, or I used to be a writer. The one thing I really learned about myself writing this book was I'm a writer, <laughs> you know, and it made me in my own head have credibility that I was a writer. And I also learned that one of the things that's really important for me, not for everybody, but for me when I write a book is relatability. And so when I was writing it, I had in my head, I want people to read this and think I'm not alone in the world. I, somebody else has lived this, even if it's a fictional character, I'm writing it. So I'm not a fictional person. Mm -hmm. So I wanted them to really relate to it. So that's really what I learned a lot of when I wrote the book. What have you heard from readers? What kind of feedback have they given you? Are there any common threads as far as feedback to say, oh, yes, this resonates? Yes, and that's been the best part. I've gotten so many reviews where people said, oh, my God, I'm Maggie. Oh, my gosh. Or or I dealt with my you know, parents with the same issue, or I'm about to be an empty nester, and this really helped me feel like I wasn't alone. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of great comments from people that have really loved the book. And what's interesting is it's women's fiction, but I've had a number of men pick it up, which I thought was interesting. And I don't know if they're reading it because their wives bought it or not, but I've gotten really great feedback from them that they really resonated with the husband and how the wife felt about what was going on. So I thought that was really interesting too. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was just thinking as you were speaking, I'm wondering if men were reading it and I would think that it would be a great insight for them. Yes, it is because you're getting inside Maggie's head. I mean, I purposely wrote it from the first person. So you would hear her thoughts and how she was feeling about what was going on with him too. I also, um, there's, chapters in there from the husband's point of view and from the father's point of view, mm -hmm. because I wanted, when you write from the first point of view, you can't ever, it's, I mean, off stage is what, you know, you use on television, but you can't have that character not be in the scene to know what's going on. So I wanted the audience or the reader to know what was going on in Jim's head, why he was doing what he was doing, because they have a good marriage. And this is a point in their life for the last six months that things are just not going well. And for the father, I wanted people to be able to see what the father was feeling and going through. And I did a lot of research and I met with a lot of people and were a lot on a lot of Facebook pages to deal with what it felt like for the father to go through what he's going through, but also what the caregivers feel. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really important to kind of put that out there. Absolutely. Now, how do you know when you were writing this, how did you know you were done? How did you know when you, when you wrote that final sentence, how did you know that was going to be the last sentence? <laughs> you always want to rewrite no matter what. <laughs> Every time I proofed my book, I was like, Oh, I could change this. Or I could change this. <laughs> um, I knew I knew the story was done um, probably after the second or third draft. But then in 2018, I went to the Kauai Writers Conference and I was able to go to all these workshops with Christina Baker Klein and Kristen Hanna and Alice Hoffman. And they talked a lot about revisions. So when I left there, I did my final, final revision because I had learned so much. So when that final revision was done, I knew it was ready to be published. And of course, I've done stuff in between. You know, once it's, you get to a publisher, it takes a long time to get it published. So I still played around with it, but not that much. And the story I knew was done. 
that always is, is of interest to me, especially final sentences. How do you know yeah. that's the final sentence? And that final sentence has to be a very strong sentence as well. It's the last right. thing you leave people with. I always ponder about that when I read a book and I think seriously about that last sentence. Yeah, for me, the last sentence in my book, I sort of just felt it. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know where the book was completely ending. I had a feeling. But actually, my characters took me a little bit different direction. (laughs) And so when I got to the end, I thought, oh, wow, would she and he, um, I'm just going to say that, say their final words to each other. I sort of felt like, oh, wow, that really says a lot. And it's a very hopeful ending. I'm not a person that necessarily has to tie everything up in a bow because I think in reality, not everything is tied up in a bow, but I wanted it to be very hopeful so I keep getting asked if I'm going to write a sequel. But at this point, I don't know that I will. I'm about two-thirds through. Well, actually, no, I'm really, really close to the end now of my second book. But it's not a sequel. Okay. I was just going to ask you what you're working on now. Yeah, I um, I had an idea after a while after putting this book to bed. And so I started working on it. And um This one's different. It's very different. But I always put comedy in all my books. Even when there's tragedy in a book, I always put comedy because that's my background. Mm -hmm. And I love witty banter. And so (laughs) my books are written, you know, like with a lot of comedy and heartbreaking moments, but a lot of banter in the dialogue. And there's a lot of dialogue in my books, too, because that's, again, my background. Exactly, yeah. When you're writing for television comedies, that's something so strong that I can't imagine it's going to leave you. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, as we begin to wrap up, is there anything we missed that you wanted to talk about? No, I think you hit everything. I mean, this was a great interview, and I really appreciate it. Oh, gosh, it's my pleasure. So why don't you head us over to anywhere we can find out more about you, your books, where we can right. purchase? Yeah. Okay, well, my books are available everywhere books are sold. So you can just go online to any place or, you know, go into bookstores. And if it's not happens to not be in the bookstore, if it's sold out, you can ask for it and they will order it. It's in the libraries. Um, but um, my website is lesliearasmussen.com. And the, you can go on there and you, there's links also to order the book. And there's a lot about me on there. And I'm on Twitter at Leslie R. Author. I'm on Facebook at After Happily Ever After Novel. And I'm on Instagram at Leslie R. Author. And you can follow me and you'll see everything that I'm doing. (laughs) You are everywhere you're supposed to be, right? I'm everywhere, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you're everywhere after happily ever after leslie thank you so much for sharing you and your book with us today and i look forward to your next one thank you so much and thank you for having me